Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Today, day from number 258 of our three-year journey through the Bible brings us to Psalms 39 and 40. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the Psalms in particular. They're such a gift as they show us how to pray. They show us how to come to you no matter what emotions we're feeling or life circumstances we're experiencing. They also show us the heart of Christ and they show us so much about his, his life and our salvation. So Father, teach us through Psalm 39 and 40 today. By your Holy Spirit, write these words on our heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Get a little prescription strength coffee this morning. And Psalm 39 is written to the choir master, to Jeduthun, which is probably the tune that it was set to. We're not sure about that word, which is why it's left untranslated. A Psalm of David. I said, I will guard my ways, that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle, as long as the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail, and my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me. As I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue, O oh Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths. And my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath, Selah. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me. From all my transgressions, do not make me the scorn of a fool. I am mute. I do not open my mouth, for it is you who have done it. Remove your stroke from me. I am spent by the hostility of your hand. When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord. And give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears. For I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Look away from me, that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. Psalm 39. Psalm 39 and Psalm 88 are unique among the Psalms, these two in that they are two laments without a happy ending. They don't turn back in joy to end with a note of praise. Psalm 39 ends with, Look away from me that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. And Psalm 88 ends with, The darkness is my closest companion. So, what do we do with this? Well, the reality is God gives us language like this because there are times when this is how we feel this is the reality of our lived experience in life we are distressed 
we feel this burning inside of us, this, this longing, this aching, this hurting, and there's nowhere we can go with it. There's, there's nothing we can do with it. It, it, it just is. And we, we feel the shortness of life. We, sh- we feel the, the vanity of it all. To use the word in Ecclesiastes, the, the vanity, the, the, the hevel, the, the breath, the vaporness of life. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. This is this idea of temporary, instable, uh, unstable, weak, um, unpredictable. That's what human life is. That is the reality of human life. Ecclesiastes really unpacks this brilliantly throughout. It's that life under the sun, life as a human being in this world, is this way. We can refrain ourselves from sinning. We can try to keep our peace. And distress grows. And longing and frustration and sorrow builds. He does confess in verse 7. That the Lord is his only hope. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. That's the gospel in the midst of deep pain in Psalm 39. We wait for the Lord because our hope is in him. Hope is not seen. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. That's what Romans 8 tells us. So we have this hope. The hope that's in the Lord. We're waiting for the Lord. We're waiting for the Lord Jesus to return and to make all things new and to make all things right. We're waiting for deliverance from all of our transgressions. We're waiting so that the the temporariness and the vanity and the smoke and breath vaporness of this life will be replaced by the permanence and the joy. And there is a gospel reality that we need to wrap our minds and our hearts around. The, The pain, the distress, the loneliness, the anguish, the longing is temporary. It is as temporary as life in this world. It's a breath. It's a shadow. It's a vapor. All the pain, all the sorrow. What is permanent is what is coming. What is forever is that which is our hope. And that is joy and peace and love. When hope becomes reality, faith is replaced by sight Temporariness is replaced by permanence. Instability is replaced by stability. A breath life is replaced by eternal life. And joy and love is the story forever and ever. But that's not yet. Right now we're a sojourner. And right now, sometimes... When the Lord is disciplining us, when the Lord is chastising us, when the Lord is 
bringing things to heart and mind that we have to face of the reality of our own shortcomings. It is so hard. We just want it to be over. And one day it will be if we wait and put our hope in the Lord. And now Psalm 40 follows Psalm 39 for a reason. You have to read the Psalms together. You have to see the flow of the Psalms. Psalm 39 and then Psalm 40 to the choir master, a Psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward me. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have concealed, I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let them be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May, the, they, may those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, yet, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. So we go from one lament to another, but the tone of the two is very, very different. The tone of Psalm 39 is just of anguish and of dread of the chastisement and the discipline of the Lord. Whereas in Psalm 40, it's more of a resolved trust in the Lord. Now, I've made the observation before that the Psalms are the prayer book of Jesus. They reflect not only the ways that we can come to the Lord, no matter what we're going through, but also how Jesus came before his father 
no matter what he was going through. And here's, here's how I read Psalm 39 and 40. Psalm 39 is the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Psalm 40 is the cross. The confidence with which he faced the cross, knowing what deliverance was going to come on the other side. So, the resurrection's coming, and it's even spoken of here by faith in as an accomplished reality. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. That's language that can be used to mean death. And set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth. There's a new song in the resurrection of Jesus because death has been overthrown. And that was a new thing done in all the history of God's people. Never before had sin been canceled once for all and death overthrown. And so many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Many see the cross of Jesus Christ and the empty tomb. They see his death and his resurrection and they fear the Lord and they put their trust in the Lord. And so blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Now, here specifically in verses 6 through 8, you see the cross. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you've given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of your book. It is written of me, I delight to do your will. O oh my God, your law is within my heart. Uh, Hebrews quotes this and tells us that this is Jesus who is saying, now they have a little bit different um, translation of verse 6 because they're working from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the New Testament. But it says, you know, sacrifice and offering you have not uh, desired, but a body you have prepared for me. And so Christ came into the world with a body prepared for him, and he did the work that God gave him to do. This is in Hebrews chapter 10. I guess I'll go ahead and put up on screen so we can see it. Um, Hebrews 10. Consequently, uh, I'll just read from the beginning. For since the law has a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of those realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of your book. When he said, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So it's a big key to Bible interpretation. If ever the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament, go to that New Testament passage and read the context, and it will tell you what that Old Testament passage was foreshadowing. And that's why I say when we got to that in Psalm 40, we got to the cross. And that's what sort of 
triggered in my mind, okay, Psalm 39 then, coming right before the cross, it sounds like the agony in the garden. This look away from me, remember, take this cup from me, right? That was the agony of Christ. Take this cup from me. The, the, the wrath of God, he wanted to depart from him. Look away from me. But then he is resolved to go to the cross. And so he goes to the cross. And that deliverance on the cross, fulfilling what was written of him in the scroll of the book, right? All the prophecies that had been written, Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, but others, all the things that have been written about him coming to do that, that brings what? That brings deliverance. That brings salvation. That brings the steadfast love and faithfulness of God to completion. And it's on the cross that Jesus is encompassed about by evils, where Jesus has been overwhelmed by the weight of the sin that's put on us. My iniquities have overtaken me. Our sins became his, counted as his, and he couldn't see. They were more than the hairs on his head. That's him being overwhelmed by the sin of what's laid on him on the cross. But then he says, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. He's crying out for resurrection, right? And I've quoted this section in Hebrews many times in these daily devotionals, but Hebrews also tells us that in the days of his flesh, the Lord cried out with loud tears and anguish for the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety or because of his reverent submission. This is that cry. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. He wants to be rescued from death, and God the Father did do that. Did do that. Though Jesus on the cross was as poor and needy as anyone ever has been in the history of the world, poorer and needier than anyone else ever has been in the history of the world, the Lord took thought of him, the Lord looked upon him, the Lord received his offering, and so we can rejoice and be glad in the salvation that Jesus has brought. And Jesus has been resurrected and is alive forevermore. So you see, the Psalms are given to us to give us language to pray in our circumstances, yes. But even as we're praying in those circumstances, the Psalms are then leading us to Jesus, where we can see that Jesus has gone through the same thing worse than we ever have, and we can find real hope and real salvation. Because ultimately what we need is not to wallow in the muck and the mire of our sadness and our struggle, but we need a rock to be anchored to. We need a God to save us. We need a Redeemer to lift us. And we find that in Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer, you are everything. Salvation, life, forgiveness, and joy are found in you and you alone. There is no one like you in heaven or on earth. You have overcome sorrow, sin, and death. You have been crushed for us and raised to life for us. And we thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for Psalms 39 and 40. Tomorrow we'll be back in Deuteronomy, picking up with Deuteronomy chapter 13. Join us for that. And of course, have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.